Hi everyone, my name is Celeste and I am speaking to you right now from my home in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And joining me today is my very own father, Frederick William Haberman V. What's up? And we're going to dive a little deeper into the colorful history of my grandfather and how his legacy has been passed down, both inspirationally and intellectually. So to give a quick prelude, I want to stress the fact that I was incredibly fortunate enough to have a deep relationship with my grandparents, let alone get to know them at all. I was and still am extremely close to my grandma, but my grandpa and I got much closer as I got older, particularly when I entered college. Now, as we were talking earlier, Dad, it's clear that on your side of the family, the Haberman side, that intellectual leadership was a fundamental part of the family. Your grandfather, Frederick William Haberman III, taught at Princeton, then UW-Madison, where he was a communication professor and chairman of the athletic board. Grandpa followed in a similar fashion, graduating from UW-Madison, then going off to Harvard Law. He became a successful lawyer and then president of the Hertzfeld Foundation, where he played a fundamental role in upholding art in the Milwaukee community, whether it be Milwaukee Film, the Milwaukee Ballet, or the Art Museum. And I think Grandpa's love for art amidst that deep intellectual pressure and success really affected the way that you approach this unspoken expectation to be a leader in the world. So instead of opting towards the expected routes of academia or law, you instead followed much different passions. You've created your own PR company, Haberman Modern Storytellers, in addition to several others like U.S. Pond Hockey Championships, Urban Organics, and now your most recent endeavor, Freak Flag Organics, which is all about being yourself. So again, I'm really interested in how these types of things are passed down, such as family expectations and norms. So how did Grandpa affect the way that you approached your future? Well, you know, first of all, I'm incredibly grateful to have such an amazing, kind, brilliant uh, father and grandfather, your great-grandfather, of course. And really, you know, while they set the bar really high in terms of uh, academia, they instilled in me something far more important, and they uh, prioritized it as the most important thing, and that is following your passion. That if you're, of course, and it's cliche, if you're happy uh, doing something, then you should continue to pursue it. And that's really what what I did by, you know, leaving, uh, and not, or I should say not pursuing academia, but really pursuing my, my passions around food, my passions around um, advocating for people that that I think we're, we're doing a great uh, service to the world. So thanks, Dad. That was awesome. Going off of that, I mean, you've always encouraged Clay, my brother, and I to follow our passions and do what we love. And one thing you really encouraged the most was art and music. Um, and many parents tell their children that activities like that are lovely, but they will eventually make no money and never really get anywhere, so to speak, if they end up pursuing it in, quote-unquote, the real world. So why did you push against that narrative so much? I think that uh, so much of, of uh, connection and human understanding revolves around people following their, uh, what I call it, their authentic bliss. And I think that that comes from um, the creative arts uh, within um, uh, both what we're, we're taught, but also exploring them on your own. That's why, you know, I've always encouraged, uh, whether it was you going to a Waldorf school, school early on or encouraging you to take writing classes or art classes, um, 
because what that does is unlocks, I believe, a part of your brain. Uh, it also begins to um, pay homage to a part of you that is sacred and truly authentic to you. And by doing that, when someone shows their unique self, when, the, when, when indeed uh, people see that someone is indeed following their passion and, and their creative uh, freedom, not only is that individual happy, but the people watching them get inspired. And I believe that the world becomes a better place. All right, I want to really just close a thought on authenticity. When Grandpa passed, the Milwaukee Journal did a beautiful piece honoring him and his achievements. And you made a few statements about him. You said, quote, he was okay with being himself. He looked for authenticity in people because he was authentic himself. And I think looking back on my childhood, authenticity was a word that I just, I really learned early. You guys pushed for it. Um, and so I just want to close with what does authenticity mean to you? And how does one teach authenticity considering grandpa taught you? You know, it's a, it's a huge, huge word, of course. And, and we see so, so little authenticity today. And um, I believe in it so deeply that I even created a company called Freak Flag Organics, which is part of the legacy that I was taught uh, and the values I was taught. Freak Flag Organics, we define freak as so someone who emits positivity through self-expression. So for me, authenticity and freak are almost the same definition. One who emits positivity through self-expression, meaning when you're, when you're following your bliss, when you're truly stepping into your own power, uh, good things begin to happen and there's a happier, better world. Thank you so much, Dad. I think that really just wraps us up for today. I appreciate your time and insight. Well, I guess I'd, I'd just like to end by saying that um, there's really one uh, of the most authentic creatures on, on, on the planet, and that is good old Ralphie. <laughs> by Ralphie, we are referring to Ralphie the Buffalo. Thank you and good night.